Welcome, Dr. James Beckett, Sports Card Insights, here with Mike Moynihan, simulcast. Go to his YouTube or podcast channels of Golden Age of Cardboard to hear the whole thing. This is the last half where we got into more than just the 48-49 Leaf and that controversy, as well as some other regionals and tougher things. I'm a big fan of Mike's and his content creation in the vintage area, so I'm thankful for that. And occasionally, uh, he and I talk about stuff like this. So here's uh, kind of my portion of the second half from yesterday as well. Uh, thanks sponsors, Tops Panini, Upper Deck, Heritage Auctions, Huggins and Scott Auctions, Mike Stadium Sports Cards, Burbank Sports Cards, ComC.com, and Beckett Media, Beckett Grading, Beckett Authentication. So here it is. And again, thanks, Mike. How many do you still have? I broke up my set when I started my company, but I kept the Hall of Famers. You're at a disadvantage. You haven't been over here. I've got Newhauser on my wall. I think oh. Dobie, you know, there's probably some social consciousness of the owners of Leaf because it can't be an accident that they had these three iconic black players very early in their major league careers, at least. Satchel Page had been around, but probably was a big deal. I think that bears no relationship to the fact that sales were apparently poor or demand was poor, but that's a real social statement. Jackie Robinson was in the news. Babe Ruth was in the news. Now the card companies are realized we put some old guys in the set. That doesn't hurt sales. It broadens right. the appeal. Why do you think it failed? Bowman had, I think, more history from the past. There are other iterations. Leaf, it's hard to start a brand. You know that. So Leaf is knocking on doors. It's possible they were knocking on doors in 1948 with their first series cards and saying, hey, give us a chance. Candy stores, we're Leaf. And they go, who are you? We're Leaf. We've got these cards and we're showing you some of those. And they said, well, think about it. Bowman and Topps, when they got going, it was like, you got these cards last year. How many boxes or cases do you want this year? Because they had a track record. Leaf had no track record. And they right. sputtered when they came around and said, hey, we got a second sheet now. They, they didn't call them short prints, but we did got another group of them. Do you want to? We haven't sold the first ones. So we don't need them. I don't know if they were destroyed or whether they just didn't print that many or they printed some to see if they could sell them. I think Leaf imploded and they crawled back under a rock, Mike, and they didn't come out for another 10 years. Yeah, because 1960 Leaf. 11 years. Which was terrible. And then which was not great either. So they were not quality control people. As evidenced by these printing anomalies, the color variations are mistakes. It's somebody that's just letting it ride even though they can see that the red ink is running real low. And I think, who cares? They're just baseball cards. How are these cards distributed? I think there were penny packs, probably nickel packs too. I'd have to ask Ted about that. I talked to people that had packs, but I don't have firsthand knowledge of that. I think Bowman was happy with Leaf, happy that they were doing a terrible product that ran out of gas. Then they had the whole thing to themselves, except Topps was waiting in the wings thinking, hey, maybe there's a market there if we do it right. And in 52... They hit it out of the park. Granted, Topps had Cy Berger, a guy that just was driven to make a product succeed. But Topps would have the same uphill battle that Leaf would going to the candy store owners at the time. They were unknown. No, you know? they already had candy. They were already selling them stuff. They already had accounts. Because gotcha. Topps was a gum company, they were already selling the gum in. So they already okay. had a relationship with all those candy stores. That's Leaf why cards are mainly in candy stores, because Topps was a candy and gum company. Gotcha. So they, they didn't have to reestablish relationships. Or, and that's why Topps right. hit the ground running. Cy had Woody Gelman, sidekick, who had the graphic design chops. They changed the game with the bigger card in 52. And Cy had the vision of going straight to the players, getting relationships with players, and locking them in. 
Those are two key contributions. I don't know that LEAF even had contractual arrangements. Or if they were, if it's five bucks, 10 bucks to, hey, be in the set, it just was probably pretty superficial. Bowman wasn't paying big bucks. So I'm hard pressed to think there was a lawsuit there because neither one of them were very successful. So there wasn't a lot of money to fight about. Like I said, LEAF, I think, imploded. Right. Even kids in those days could see what's a primitive looking card and what's a nice looking card. And Bowman started getting their act together. I think 1950 Bowman with the smaller but colorful and artistic, those really look nice. 48 and 49, not so much. 50, yes, that put them on that 51, but then they got aced out by 52 tops. It is ironic if you make the connection that 49 Bowman looks a lot like 49 Leaf. Right. The color backgrounds, the superimposed player images on the yeah. single color backgrounds. I don't know that was an accident. It may not that? have been, but it's also reminiscent of just cleaning up 48 Bowman, which are mug shots, black and white, very little design effort there. So they've added a little bit of color, but it's primitive. I still think 48, 49 Leaf is a better looking card than 49 Bowman. It's bigger. There's more real estate. It's just chock full of iconic players. Yeah. I think Bowman was trying to put out the modern baseball card set, which is the players of today. Just like when Leaf did boxing, same thing. They had current boxers and older boxers. And I think the boxing sold better. I think they thought, hey, candy store, I don't know which came first, but they had two years worth of football. So it makes me think that football did come out in late fall 48 and they thought they'd get their baseball in there, too. And if they came in late 48, nobody's thinking baseball in December. So they said, come back in March. I'm speculating as well. The guys that Dave talked about, the Walter Corson and Lionel Carter and Buck Barker. I knew Lionel Carter and I knew Buck Barker. And I talked to him about a whole bunch of sets, not specifically this, but a whole bunch of sets. Walter Corson had already passed away, but his whole collection was bought by Frank Nagy. And I spent more time with Nagy. And I don't think he had all the 48 Leafs, 49 Leafs. I don't think he had them all. He had more than one complete set of 52 tops. Whenever I would say I found one, he wanted to pry it away from me. But I was a collector, even though he probably could have thrown up a pretty good trade. In those days, they didn't apply so much pressure when they knew you were a collector and that you wanted it for your collection. They weren't going to guilt you or shame you into, hey, but I need this and... I'm older than you. Give me that card. He said, that's great. He said, but if you find some others or get any dupes, let me know. Because it was, like I said, it's what the serious collectors were talking about in the hospitality rooms of the day, because it was the hunt. It was the chase. Describe a hospitality room. (laughs) Basically, there'd be a meeting room at the hotels where the card shows were mainly in the Midwest. And the promoter would get that for free. Like my hobby content creator dinners. There'll be a room close to where the show is. After the show, you'd go up there for pizza and drinks, probably beer and wine and stuff like that. Nobody was getting drunk, but very low-key, very casual. But there'd be 15, 20 guys there, 30 guys there, never that many, that would just talk about cards. So it was like trade night, except nobody was bringing their cards. But that's where I learned about the Wagners and who had them. They could go around the room. The guys in the room could articulate who had what cards, what the state of each person's collection was. It was fascinating. That's how I learned about the scarce numbers. You'd get their want list. you see, hey, everybody's looking for this number. And it's not a missing number. It's just a hard number. It's a super short print. The second series is definitely 49. And they are super short prints. 
I bet you would love to go back and sit in those rooms and ask. Well, I'd have a lot more questions now because exactly. a lot of the questions nice. are answered, but some of them aren't. And they might have the knowledge. Now, the other three guys that he threw out were Rich Egan, Larry Fritch, and uh, Jim. Now, I knew those guys, too. And Larry Fritch, especially, they were really serious collectors. Larry Fritch, I'm sure he did have a complete set of the Leafs because he had everything. And so he would have it, but he played close to the vest. He would want to trade information with me. He'd want me to share something that I'd learned. Or he'd say, you tell me what you think, and I'll tell you if you're right or wrong. So he was cagey. <laughs> and he was this big, burly guy, but he had millions of cards. Back in the day when that was something that was good, to have a lot of cards. But all those guys that Dave talked about, yes, they were working together to figure out what's going on. And they'd share their knowledge within their inner fraternity to know just what was out there. It's not correct that Paige is any tougher. Like I said, I have two of them. It's not tougher than any other of the short prints. It wasn't removed from the sheet or anything like that. It's on the same sheet with those other 49. And Paige is no tougher than Dobie, no tougher than Newhauser, no tougher than Feller, no tougher than any of these other guys that are on there. But the demand is higher because it's Leroy Page. It's not even Satchel Page. It's Leroy. Like I said, the fact that I had two of them is because I thought if I ever need to make a big trade, that is going to be currency. But I've never found something I wanted more. Keep a page in my pocket. Yeah. The other comment that was made was about rookie cards back in the day. Again, rookie cards are meaningful now. And I said, that's a big part of my decision, why I'm unwilling to take the 1948 off, why I want to hedge because of Musial and Spawn. It's not fair to change the rules. There's a slight chance that some of them were out there in 48, and that allows for the Jackie to be probably the preferred rookie. If it's really 4849 and not just 49, and I think the marketplace is determined that's the number one Jackie rookie card in the aftermarket pricing. It's tougher. Newhauser is really tough. Newhauser right? I mean, really tough because he's an old rookie because he already won a couple of MVPs. There's a counter advertising thing that's on eBay that I looked at, and it's got the regular series mixed in with short prints. I'm convinced that was produced at a much later date like a reprinted thing. that I don't believe that is original. That's just a, a cardboard novelty that somebody did probably in the 80s or 90s. When did you finally come to the conclusion yourself through your research? In the 70s. I think that was put to bed by the 70s. I've read where guys had figured it out, but it wasn't widely known until the early mid-70s. was it. Because they still were holding out hope. These cards were trickling in, and they were skip-numbered still. There were another 70 missing numbers that I'm convinced... Leaf wanted to do, but the demand was not there. They lost money on this, Mike. The first set of something that you do, there's a lot of startup costs, uh, selling and trying to create some demand. We don't see a lot of collateral marketing materials. I think it was a marketing failure. It was a production failure. And what that leads to are very scarce cards that are highly collectible now. And for us to quibble about what year it is, it's essentially a 1949 issue. But in my price guide responsibility, I think being a kind of Solomon is splitting the baby is splitting the year. That's why I'm doing a podcast now, because I wouldn't have thought about this except for thanks to you and Dave doing this. So when I heard Dave say these things, he's really trying to advance the ball, but things need to be clarified. There are not high numbers. There's no such thing as high numbers. There's two sheets. There's an easier sheet that's not easy and a harder sheet that's impossible. 
<laughs> gotcha. And so that's it. So Ted Williams is not the lowest of the high numbers. It's Ted Williams is the same as Joe DiMaggio, Babe Ruth, Jackie Robinson. Those guys were all in that first sheet. I'll tell you, I completed the first 49 really easily. Then I got hooked because I got a few of the high numbers on a, a buying trip. You just said high numbers. Oh, I messed up then. Okay. But the second sheet. The second sheet. So I had the first 49. And then when I found a few of the others, I was a complete set guy back in that day. And I thought, I got to go for it. And you didn't see them at shows. The only way you could get them is from buying some of these collections that hadn't been touched. And I was very aggressive. I'd buy the whole collection and you'd set up in a hotel room and do that. I maybe traded for a few or bought a few, but the vast majority I got by buying large collections of guys that were older than me that had collected in the late 40s and had these. So cool. I really enjoyed the episode with the John talking about the Stallmeyers. I actually collected the Cons Wieners from the hot dogs, and they were the bottom of the pack. Okay. So they are soggy, but some of them were remaindered or were salesman samples and things like that. Same with Stallmeyers. I have the mantles and the mazes, but I don't have fully complete sets, but I have the cards I want, campy and guys that I collect. Those are super tough. And the fact that it's a three or a two is normal. It's the best one I ever saw. If it's nicer than that, there's something wrong. That means it really was never in the hot dog. Briggs Meats. I tried to have type cards of all of those. I believe those were on the outside of the pack, not the inside of the pack. What about the Johnson Cookies cards? I've always wondered if they were actually in cookie packages. I think they were. But there was a guy in Milwaukee, Bill something. He actually either worked for the company. He had suitcases full of sets of the first year. The easy one, because he had complete sets. How many do you want? Now, the booklet ones, I think, are the toughest ones. The 54s are the tall, skinny ones. I've got a beautiful Aaron. He's not even wearing 44. That's not a pre-rookie, but it's a very legit rookie. That's one of my favorite cards, too. I've got that on my other wall. I have a wall of fame that's also for oversized cards, if you get inside my card cave. It sounds like I need to just hop in my car right now and head over to Dallas and come see you. But uh, You need to make an appointment, Mike, just like I made an appointment to come see you and the Beast. You did. 